You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. We've been talking about the fivefold ministry, and I want to I want to say this to start that the reason uh, why I'm ministering this. Uh, first of all, I think it's fun. I just like, I, I, I'm really wired for structure and for government because I really believe that God is a God of order. If he wasn't a God of order, then he wouldn't have created the earth in the time that he did and the fashion that he did and the way that he did. But God is very orderly. And I believe that the church for a long time, and I'm not saying that God hasn't loved the church, but the church has been out of order for a very long time. And we've been um, sequencing back over the last decades, and I could even say probably centuries, to where we're coming into a, I'm going to call it this, and I hate to say it, I hate to, I hate to call it this because it could carry a, a strange connotation to people, but this is what I truly believe it is. It is a new apostolic reformation to where the church, how it looked in the early church, we're going to have a a re- we're in the middle of a restructuring for the church to be everything that God has called it to be. Because Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I believe that when the church ends and the church age ends, that the church is going to go out on top. I be- you can believe whatever you want to believe. That's just, that's personally what I believe. And you know, there's a lot of people that, that they, uh, they feel like the Lord um, is going to come back in the next, you know, five years or 10 years. Uh, my personal opinion, and I hope I'm wrong, but my personal opinion is that we have decades left. And the reason I say that is because I believe that there's a restructuring happening of the church. And when I talk about a restructuring, I'm not talking about man's opinion. I'm talking about biblical order. What's rightly lined up with the word that we've just not been walking in accordance with God's structure for a long time. And so we haven't had God's results. We've had man's results. And I don't know about you, but I want God's results. And so you can't have reformation overnight. That, that takes time. You can have a revival service. And, you can, and one of the things that we, we want to be a part of is to have revival culture. Not just, not just a service or, or a, you know, a, you know, a week of meetings or something. I'm fine with that. The Lord leads. I'm all for it. We'll do that. But we really want to have a, a culture of revival but more than, more than just having a people that are revived, we want to be reformed to where we represent and carry the nature of heaven amongst us. Amen. And so that's what I really believe is happening. And I think it's going to take, oh, in my opinion, probably, you know, in the next 10 to 30 years, in my mind, this, and this is just Kentology right here, okay? Don't, not going to find a Bible verse that says this. But in the next 10 to 30 years, we're going to see a drastic turnover in the church and I think we're going to see a lot of, um, I hate to call it division, but there's going to be a lot of like the true church of the Lord Jesus rise up. And I want to be a part of that. And I don't think I have everything figured out, not for one second. But I do know that I keep myself at a place to say, God, you can teach me, you can mold me, you can correct me, you can do anything you want in my life. I just want what you want. And those people, the ones saying those things, are going to become more important in the days to come. I've heard many prophets and many pastors, many ministers over the years prophesy and say that there is a coming one billion soul harvest. 
And I believe, I really believe that. I'm, I'm in agreement with that. And I, it's not just like, amen. I mean, I actually genuinely believe that we will see a billion soul harvest. And maybe it's over a, a two-year, a five-year, or a 10-year span. I don't know. Um, but I think we're going to be able to say, oh, my gosh, there's been mass droves of people that have come to know Christ. And it's possible that it's already started because in certain parts of the world, Christianity is growing rapidly, like in China, for example. The underground church is going to become the above ground church. And the goal with China is that it actually gets, the church reforms that whole nation from the inside out. And there's going to come a point Hopefully, where they don't have, and I don't know, there's people that say, oh, no, China's going to be a part of the end times and, and all this stuff. Probably. I don't know. I'm not really an end times guy, a specialist. Um, I believe in it because we're all headed that, that way, that direction. But I don't know a ton, a, ton, a ton about it. But I just know what I'm seeing the Spirit of God doing. I know what He's speaking to me. And if we're going to see a mass harvest, Jesus wasn't just after the harvest. He was after disciples. And the church is supposed to be built to equip people, to disciple people. And the only way that it can do that is if it's set in God's proper divine order. And so this is why I love talking about this stuff, because even from a young age, I was in not, not even, I probably have been through times where I've been critical and the Lord's had to get me out of that. But mostly even from a young age, I've looked and I've seen things in the scriptures and I'm going, why are we not doing this? Why, is, why don't we have any apostles? Where are they? And why don't we have any prophets? Where are they? And why are evangelists just mad at people? I don't, under, I don't understand this. Like, I literally, the, I went to, when I was about, um, let's see, I was probably 21, 22, something like that, I don't know. And me and my brother went and led, he plays the drums, and then some other guy was singing. It was crazy. But anyways, we went to this motorcycle uh, rally, and I don't really know how we ended up there leading worship worship was a stretch to call it that but anyways we were there and we were doing song service and uh when they they said that evangelist so and so is going to be there my the first words out of my mouth were awesome we're going to hear hellfire damnation the whole time because that was my experience with most with most evangelists and that's Honestly, how a lot of evangelists minister, and as far as I'm concerned, you know, you can tell people that they're going to go to hell for not receiving Jesus, and that could be true, or it is true if they haven't received Jesus, but it's not the good news. Good news is to tell people what God has done for them. I'm not saying we shouldn't preach on hell. We should preach on hell and teach people about it. We need to have understanding about it, but you're not supposed to scare people into it. You're supposed to draw them in by the love of God. And so, you know, an evangelist, they're actually supposed to be in the church, uh, not angry at the church, but in the church working with the other parts of the ministry to equip the saints to lead people to the Lord. Evangelists should be leading people to the Lord, but they also should be training people to lead people to the Lord. Can I get a big amen? So let's pull up the very first slide, and then we're probably going to skip to like the third or the fourth slide, something like that. But here's just the first slide, just to have, have a general idea what we've been talking about, the fivefold ministry. And this, when we say fivefold, we're talking about these five specific offices that it says that Jesus has given to the church. They're a gift to the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. We use the hand because the apostle uh, is would be represented on the thumb, and that's because he can touch all areas of ministry. And so the apostolic ministry will often flow um, in all of those areas of ministry. You know, this morning, and I, it was very interesting when I was ministering this morning, I had to stop preaching 
because I had a word of, of knowledge, and I'm not sure I handled it right, but I had a, it wasn't a vision. I, I don't know what to tell you, but I had this thing come on me so strong that I literally could not preach anymore. And so for a second, I was touching the realm of the prophet or the realm of the prophetic really strong. And, and I, all of a sudden, I stopped, and I, I called the youth up there because I saw like a, it was like a, um, let's see, what's, what's the term? It's something you could put in a piece of wood, and you hit it with like a sledgehammer, and you, a wedge, yeah, like a splitting wedge. And I saw it drop down right on the youth, and it came so fast that it actually startled me. And I'm not sure that I handled it the, the best, but I did what I could with what I had, and I... I had to stop, and I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And so anyways, um, I found that, you know, like people that op- operate in apostolic ministry, they'll touch in all area of those, of those ministry. And so that's why the apostle is the thumb. And then uh, the pointer finger, actually, if we go to the next slide, this describes us just a little bit better. Just a really quick review. The pointer finger is the prophet, and that's because the prophet will point the way. The apostolic ministry um, is, is very limited. Really, the whole church is very limited without the, the office and the function of the prophet to give direction and to shine light on areas and things. And I believe that prophets are ultimate watchmen. And I, I, any, any home, but also any church needs watchmen. It needs people that are, are seers. And I think you can have people... Then this is this is how I see it. You can have people that may not be called to the office of a prophet, but have a strong seeing gift. Um, now I've heard some people say that all seers are prophets, so I'm not really sure. But I, this has been my experience: is that the Lord will highlight certain people that are actually called to the office of a prophet. But then I've seen other people that are very strong seers. For example, Kathy McDowell that's sitting right here. She is a she is a seer. And she'll come, she'll have dreams and visions and different things and words. And it's she comes always with fear and trembling. She'll go, now, you just throw this out if it's not from the Lord. And we'll get it. And Liz and I are like, ah, it's like so spot on. And so God will set people uh, in churches, in congregations that operate in a very strong seeing gift that really operate as like watchmen to help watch over the church. Watchmen will see what is coming that's good. And they'll also see what's coming that's not good. And I thank God for that because sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like an ox is how I'm wired. And I've got like blinders on me and I got my hands at the plow and I'm. And sometimes I don't see rocks and trees or people or different things that could be in the way. And I thank God for people around me that have got that have got uh, eagle eyes. Amen. That are hovering above watching over things. And so anyways, that's a lot of what a prophet will do. And even people that may not be called to the office of a prophet. See, when you're talking about the fivefold ministry, you're talking about, we could call them offices, but they, they really speak to the responsibility they carry in the church. Because you can have a person that's pastoral, but not necessarily call, called as a pastor. Does that make sense? So the Lord is the one that calls the fivefold ministry. No man, now man can, Leadership can and should recognize the fivefold call on your life. So for anyone that would say, am I called in this? Then what you do is you serve, you love, you give, you help, and you just stick with people that have the authority uh, to be able to call these things out in your life. And as the Lord leads them to, then they're able to call that out and, and help Hopefully, the heart should be to help raise you up and, and, and promote you, if I can use that word, you know, in that gifting. But not everybody is called to the fivefold ministry. And so some could say, well, why do we even need to teach on this? Why do we even need to talk about this? Because things have been out of order. Things have been out of order for a very long time, and it's time it gets set back in order. And, 
and I can prove this just by a, a very, very simple process of elimination. For many years, and, and really if you go way far back to, the, to after the early church died off a little bit, uh, quite a bit, and entering into maybe we could say the dark ages, there wasn't hardly any of the fivefold ministry that was there. Even the pastoral ministry was not there very strong, and that came, it seems like around the time of like Martin Luther, the Reformation, we started to see the, the, the fivefold ministry come back in, which is really a representation of Jesus and how Jesus ministers on the earth coming in, in these five functions. But what we've seen for a lot of years in the church, in the modern church, I'll say for the past 30 years, real strong, ish, maybe 30 years, is we've seen the pastoral ministry, the evangelistic ministry, or the office of a pastor, the office of an, of an evangelist, and the office of uh, the, the teacher. And primarily, I would say the office of a teacher has been made to be the highest, the highest one. And I'm, I'm going to tell you that that's out of order, and I'm going to prove it to you from the scriptures. And I'm going to show you why it's so important for that to be in order. But here's the deal, is that the teaching ministry, the pastoral ministry, and the evangelistic ministry all have one thing in common, and that is that their focus is on the people. Apostles and prophets, their focus is on heaven. So if you have ministry that is only geared towards ministering to people and you cut off the pipeline from heaven, what you end up having is people heaping up for themselves teachers having itching ears. Because what happens with, see, most of the time, apostles and prophets are not worried about offending people, which can be a problem. That's why they need to surround themselves with good pastors and good teachers and good evangelists to try and have a, have a buffer there. And, um, and I'm not saying I walk around trying to offend people, but it, it can be like that at times. And so, but um, when you have ministry that is only geared to ministering to people, what you end up, what you end up with is a 20 to 30 year seeker friendly movement. And that's exactly what we've had and specifically in the Western church in the American church. Everything is is and I'm I'm fine. I, I love order and I love having things done right, but I hate it when there's no moving of the Holy Ghost. It's like every time that I come into a service, my goal is to make sure that we encounter heaven during that service, during that time that we come together. And if we haven't done that, in my opinion, we've failed. <laughs> but there is a balance to this because if you have, if you have uh, churches that are so strongly led by apostles and prophets, then oftentimes the people's needs will go unmet. And that's not proper. That's not right either. It's good to have all of these things in order. But what we've seen for a long time is that we've seen the 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 primary two gifts that are very focused on, on heaven be totally cut out from the church. And it's totally wrong. What's interesting, and I know I already shared this once, is that we, in our culture, basically, and really it's very world, worldwide too. Like I went to India on a mission trip and I, the guy that I went there that invited me to come there, he's like, he's like, they will call you pastor. He's like, they will call you. And I was pastoring a church and so I was like, whatever. He's like, but everybody is pastor. Anybody who takes the microphone, they are pastor. And it was like, at least in that area of India I was at, that was their culture. Well, in America, if the guy, whoever is leading the church, automatically, that's the pastor. And what's happened, and that could be true, but what's happened is that we've really, 
we've really pulled out the, the meanings, the broader understanding specifically of, of the, the apostle and the prophet. And they are these are scriptural things that are in the Bible. We've totally cut them out and just relegated the church down to pastoral, evangelistic, and teaching ministry. I'm not saying we don't need those. We do need those. That's why Jesus gave all five of them, not just two of them or not just one. He gave all of those, and Jesus was all of those things. Amen. But it's so important that we don't just, we don't just lean into one or two or even three, but we should have all of those things. So when you have a church that only ministers to or is only drawing from the gifts that minister to the people, and are dealing with people needs because pastors are in deep. And I, I do pastor and I do shepherd. So I'm not saying I don't do that, but I'm, I'm saying that type of ministry is deep into how can I meet your needs. Teachers operate in a realm of let me show you what revelation is to help you understand what's going on. And then evangelists are all like the lost people, the lost people, the lost people. We got to get the lost people. How many of y'all know that all of that is very important? But you know what I found out is if you cut off the, the area or the gifts that are there specifically to touch heaven, that are always concerned about what is going on in heaven, and especially with the prophetic, they're always seeing, and the prophets are always seeing, what is God saying? What is he releasing? What is he revealing? If you cut that off, what happens is you have pastoral teaching and evangelistic ministry that becomes very man-made. Very man-focused without the power of God. Paul said that when he came and he ministered, that he demonstrated, he demonstrated the power of God. Not only in word, but there was demonstration of the power of God. The church needs to move back into a realm of demonstrating the power of God. And I believe that we have to be in God's order for that to come back in the measure that the Lord really intended for it to be. Hallelujah. So we're talking about these five gifts. And I want to, I want to, I don't know if I did a very good recap of everything, but it's cool. We're going to go on anyway. So go to the next slide. And I might actually go to two more, but go to the next one real quick. And I go to the next one. Okay, actually go to the next one. Yeah, that's the one I want to get to. So I want to talk about this here for a moment. And um, this is, and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we might camp here just for a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and if you could, while they're doing that, just pull that slide back up there. And then when I read, uh, you can pull up 1 Corinthians 12. And so I want you to see here, um, so it's actually the one behind it, the slide back from it. No, I'm sorry, the slide in front of it. <laughs> Keeping you on your toes back there. All right, go to the next one. There, that's the one I want right there. Yep, that's good. And so this slide is to depict in all of the slides that we've, um, we've been looking at. They're just pictures to try to give us some depiction of what the five-fold ministry looks like in operation. Because I don't necessarily care about um, just having an, an order to things unless it's functional to me. I like to have some kind of picture of how things work. This is, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring some, some understanding. This is basically the... Only way that I ever heard the fivefold ministry talked about. And no wonder teachers would want to come cut out scripture verses that put apostles and prophets above them. <laughs> I don't know any teacher that's done that specifically. But 
when you only look at the church in a form of a hierarchy, then it feels very controlling. Now, go for a brief moment, go to the other pyramid slide. I don't know if it's before or after. Go to the other pyramid. This is a very good representation to me of how the church functions. Now, it's not the only way, but you can take that pyramid and you can actually reverse what it looks like, and you put the apostle and the prophet, then the evangelist and the pastor and the teacher, and then the church at the top, because the higher you go in, the, in ministry, the lower you go, the more of a servant you become. And so we're going to get into that in a little bit, but go back to the other side, and I want to, see, I want to show you this. This is, and when we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's look at this real quick here, and in verse 28. Now, these are, these are the words of the Apostle Paul. This is the word of God. This is what he says. And it says, and God has appointed. Everybody say, God has appointed. These in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. And so before anybody asks, where is the evangelist and the pastor? I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But I want to, I want to point out here that he said, first in order are apostles. And what he's saying here, there's two meanings behind, from what I understand, you can go do your own research, two meanings to this word first, and it's meaning first in rank, but also first in order. And when it comes to, that, to the ministry or the office of the apostle, they're the ones that go first and pave the way. I was uh, meditating on the fivefold ministry years ago, and I remember the Lord gave me a picture of the ministry of the, of the apostle, and I saw a person uh, on a steamroller, and they had, I guess the asphalt was already laid down. I don't know. It was a partial vision. But they steamrolled and made everything behind totally, completely smooth. And then I saw all of the other offices in the church come right in behind it. And that is, that is a lot of what the, the apostolic ministry does. And there is a, um, there is a book called um, The Ox Anointing. Uh, there's one called The Eagle Anointing. And The Eagle Anointing is talking about the office of the prophet. And The Ox Anointing is talking about the office of the apostle. And apostles are built to plow. They're built to dig up ground. They're built to, um, you know, to pioneer things. That's how they're wired. And prophets are actually made to go right along with them. And here's the thing is that, if you are going to go into new territory or have a new work or shift things or change things, if you don't have heaven's assignment, whose assignment do you have? Because I've basically, and I didn't understand this for a long time, and I'm like, God, the people don't like me. They don't like what I'm saying. I mean, they like me, but they really don't like a lot of the things that I'm saying. <laughs> and I was in this conundrum, and it was like the Lord, the Lord was like, he just set my mind at ease. He's like, you're not there for them to like you. You are there to do the work that I've called you to do and to plant to, or to plow, then you plant, but to plow up, to till, to be the steamroller, to do whatever's necessary to pave the way so that the work that I want to be done can be done. And see, if you don't do things God's way, then things don't get done the way that God wants them to be done. And what we are experiencing, and we don't have, man, we are not perfect. And this is, we're starting to see just the, the, what God's put in us, especially in Liz and I, what he's put in our hearts. We're seeing manifestations of that here. And we've been seeing it in Perryville for a while. It's not huge numbers, but it's quality in people's lives. 
And I, I determined years ago that I was not going to go after numbers. I was going to go after quality, growth, discipleship, training, and equipping of people. Because you can, have, you can be a mile wide but only an inch deep. And numbers, most people, and this is something the church has to completely change in their thinking. Numbers do not necessarily, now they can be an indicator, but they don't necessarily equal health. I think that a church should grow and multiply in numbers. That's, that is a right thing. We're believing for that. It's a good thing. We should pray that way. We should bring people to church. We should lead people to the Lord. We should bring them in and help them be discipled, introduce them to all that stuff. That's good. But if the people that are there are not growing, then something is wrong. If the people that are there are not being challenged to grow in a healthy way, loved through those challenge, through being challenged, the love and grace has to be there. But if that's not happening, then something is, is not quite right. And what's happened, again, I'm just going to harp on this. Usually I say, oh, I don't want to harp on that, but I'm going to harp on this. It's been be for so long that the church has really been, because see, like pastors in particular have been leading the church for a long time. And I'm not, I'm not opposed to, to pastors leading a local assembly, but I am opposed to them not having apostolic thrust to their ministry. There has to be that. You could use the word covering if you want, but that anointing has got to be there to push forward. Because what pastors will end up doing is because they, they pastors' hearts break when people aren't there. <laughs> Some pastors are just, um, you know, they, they've got such insecurity problems that when people don't show up, that they, they're upset because they're just not there. But a real true pastor filled with the heart of God and the from the great shepherd, they ache when they see people go away. And so what happens is that whenever you have pastors that are out by themselves and they don't have, they don't have ministry that keeps them in touch with the assignment from heaven, they will often, not all of them, but often they will shift and end up doing things to try to pull people in and invite them in. They'll change the services around. They'll move heaven and earth just to try to put butts in the seats. And their hearts often are not wrong in it, but there ends up being compromised there because they care about people being there so much because they know the growth of those people depends on whether they are there or not. And I understand that. But if you, if you are leading a church, you're leading a congregation, and you're trying to do everything to get people to like you and to just be happy with the service and everything to be just perfect so they will be there. And this is probably where I can be off, but I, I can develop an attitude of like, well, whatever, they can just go then. They don't want to grow. I'm here to help people grow. And that can sound cold and harsh, and I don't want to be cold and harsh toward it. I love people. I really do love people. But it's like, look, we're in this thing. Let's be real about it. Let's be serious about Jesus. Let's grow in the word. Let's grow in walking in love. Let's grow in unity. Let's have awesome, off-the-chain, powerful, Holy Ghost-filled services where the power of God shows up, where heaven is released on us. I'm really, really interested and concerned that that happens. Amen. But I don't want to miss out on where people are at. Uh, and I believe that the more... Here in Perryville and other places that the Lord has us to, to grow a people and to raise up a people and to build strong people, that we're going to have great pastoral ministry to come alongside. 
Because, man, we need people, pastors, pastors are awesome. Pastors make you feel loved in, the, in your very worst situation. They carry the heart of the Father for the, for the broken and the needy and the hurt, unlike any other people. I've got people in my life, and you have, you've had them too, to where it's like, you know, you can have this situation, and they will just ooze love on you. And you know what? Sometimes that's what you need. That's why we have all five of these ministries. You come to me, most of the time, my, my answer is, what does the word say? <laughs> Believe the word. Speak the word. Do the word. You know, that's usually, and that's not always what somebody needs. Or my next thing would often be, like, let me break out the Bible and just teach you to death. And that's not always what somebody needs either. There's different ministries, and not just the five, but there are different functions and flows that people have that the other people in the church need. It says that the fivefold, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, are there for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. Actually, let's go there so I don't mess it up. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll pull up like 11, 12, 13, 14, somewhere around in there. So Ephesians chapter 4, and then let's go to verse 11, and let's look at this. You all still with me? I'm going really slow through this, but that's cool because it's just cool. All right, Ephesians, there we go, 4, and let's go back to like verse 11, and let's read this all together. There we go, and it says, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, let me stop here I want because I interrupted myself earlier, and, and I didn't finish my thought, but it says that he gave some of these. Other people, other ministries or ministers should recognize the call of God on your life. At some point, that should come to pass, but it says that he gave them. Nobody, and for a five-fold minister, they can't just rise up and go, you know what, praise God, I'm a prophet. It seemed like there for a while, everybody was a prophet. And it's like, um, actually, I don't think you really are. But anyways, um, <laughs> you can't call yourself and put yourself in this. Only God places some to be in these. And it's not an elite group of people. See, this is, this is where it's been misunderstood. Being in the fivefold ministry is all about service. The higher you are, the more devoted you are to God's work and to God's people. It's, it is not a hierarchy thing. Is there a place of leadership and is there a place for honor? Is there a place for order? Absolutely. But it's not about let me climb the ladder. It's actually like let me see how, how low I can go to serve and to raise people up. One of the things that has been missing in the church because it hasn't had the apostolic uh, ministry in it, hasn't had the office of the apostle in it, has been a culture to lift down and to raise other people up. Because it, now false apostles would be about raising themselves up. As a matter of fact, if you want to know what determines what makes somebody a false, it's whether they are promoting themselves or they are promoting Jesus and others. And if they're into self-promotion, they are false on some level. They could actually be called to one of the offices, but if everything is about promoting themselves and climbing some kind of ladder, you don't want to sit under ministry like that. But real, true, fatherly, apostolic ministry, when it's re-injected into the church properly, will cause a lifting of the church. And I believe the church will become the, the really, truly what Jesus said, the, the church that even the gates of, gates of hell will not prevail against. I really believe that. And I think that that's one of the reasons that the, the church 
has not, it's been a breeding ground for competition. And it's because most of the time at the top, you have people. And this isn't every church. This isn't every leader. This is just a lot. You have at the top, you have people that have gotten to the top, and their goal is to stay at the top, and they don't really care about raising other people up. True leaders, true fathers are about going down to the lowest point and lifting and raising other people up to the place that God has called them to be. That's what real fivefold ministry is about. And see, I'm throwing that out there, and it's like now you're going to be looking at me going, are you willing to do that? Just watch. I'm growing, and I'm learning how to do it better all the time, but that's, that's my heart. I, I came to a conversation with the Lord. I said this several years ago to him. I said, Lord, if I don't do anything else but help other people build their ministries, then I believe that I will fulfill the call that God has for me. And not just their ministries, but their lives and just whatever it is that the Lord's called them to do. If that's all I do, then I'm going to be fine with that. And I said it in faith because there was still a little bit of me like, I really want to do my ministry. I really want the things that, and you know what? God puts vision in people's hearts to see it come to pass. He wants to see those things come to pass, but let God promote us. Let's not let us promote us. But you can, you can watch in a real, true, five-fold ministry leadership is always going to be about working to raise other people up. So here's part of what, go back to the Ephesians chapter 4 and then in verse 12. Here's part of the reason why the equipping is there or the reason why the equipping is there. It says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the fivefold is there to help people step into what God has for them. It's there to help the people in the church, the saints in the church, be able to minister in the gift mix that they have to the rest of the saints in the church. Hallelujah. So let's, um, let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's pull that up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. And let's look at this again. It says, and God, let me start at the beginning. God has, has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. And again, I think it's really interesting that it says right here, right here in the scriptures. And you cannot find uh, but a couple of instances where the word pastor or pastors is even used in the New Testament. But that's what we call every leader in the church. But yet you will find the word apostle or apostles mentioned, I believe it's 74 times. And I know I've already said these numbers. I believe it's 74 times you'll find it. And you won't find the word pastor or pastors mentioned more than, I think, two or three times. You will find poime, which is the Greek word or Greek phrase for pastor. I think you'll find that mentioned about 18 times. So if you want to take a high number of mentions of pastor or shepherd, and the Greek phrase poime, if I'm saying it right, compared to the Greek phrase apostle or apostolos, you have 74 verses 18. And yet we've taken the number that has 74, and it's been completely wiped off the board. I mean, just from a logical standpoint, that doesn't even make any sense. And you come to this right here, and he says, first apostles, second prophets. Why? Because apostles and prophets are number one and number two, and they are the most important. No, it's because they carry, they carry the blueprints of heaven. 
They carry the flow of heaven. You can look at these scripture verses like a pipeline. And each piece that gets connected brings the supernatural flow to the body. But as soon as you only have the offices that are there only dealing with the people, not looking to heaven saying, God, we need your help. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. We need your prophetic word. We need your prophetic flow. We need the, we need the culture of heaven here. As soon as you cut those ministries off, again, you have those three ministries dealing with people, and they will, you will find those ministries becoming very natural organizations. The fivefold ministry specifically attached to the apostle and the prophet is there to keep the church from becoming a natural organization. But that primarily has, is exactly what the church has become. And if you have the teaching gift at the highest, and overall, it has been, it has been utilized and promoted to the highest level in the church, and you don't have supernatural thrust in the teaching, you don't have supernatural flow in the teaching, what you find is this teacher saying this, and this teacher saying this, and this teacher saying this, and they don't see things eye to eye, and then they start arguing, and then they create divisions, and then you have all these fractions and divisions in the church, and you have all these people believing, well, we believe this because brother so-and-so, and we believe this because this person had a revelation. And you know what you'll find at the, at the heart of most apostles and prophets? Who gives a, a rip about all of that? Let's get along. Let's get in touch with heaven. Let's love on Jesus and come together and do God's business. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a proper uh, you know, understanding of the word and that, and that we shouldn't have, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Right doctrine. We should have that. That's why God gave teachers. I love listening to teachers because I'll go, boy, you know what? Bobby Indian. Have you ever listened to Bobby Indian before? That guy will tell you things from the word that you never even knew existed before. He's an incredible teacher of the word. But if you have teachers, no matter how good they are, that are not attached to the supernatural flow, you will find people that miss out on the heart of God. Because as soon as we start operating like this and we miss out on this operation, we will cut off the flow of the spirit in what we're doing. We don't ever want to do that. Hallelujah. So let's go back to that, that picture there real quick. Are you all still with me? Hallelujah. I'm not even going to ask for more time. I may take it, but I'm not going to ask for it. All right. So, <laughs> uh, so here we have, let me explain this one last point, and then, and then we'll quit for today. It says first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Then it says, well, I have labeled evangelist, pastor, and then you have the church. And you don't see the third and the fourth one listed here, but let me throw something out to you, and you can think about this and see what you think. But it says first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings. What office do you normally find miracles and gifts of healings flowing from? Primarily from what I've seen, the office of an evangelist. And then you go on down to the next three things that he lists there. Helps, administration, and varieties of tongues. Where would you maybe traditionally or normally see those operating in, in the local church? Who usually sees a lot of the business that happens in the local church? It's the pastor. So why would he phrase it like that? I do not know. He's the Lord and he can do things like that. I, I don't know. But I've tried to make sense of this for a, a long time, and that's the best understanding that I could come to is that he flipped from talking about the office 
to functions that would come out of that office. But either way, to me, when I read this, this is a flow of supernatural, heaven-minded, heaven culture flowing from heaven to earth. And see, when Jesus was, was saying, he was praying, he said, our Father which art in heaven, he told his disciples, he said, pray in this manner. He said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He set a model prayer for all of us to look to that what's being done on earth should reflect what's happening in heaven. And as soon as we miss out on that part of who the Lord is, then what are we doing? I remember being, and I'm just bold like this, so I just be bold. It's just who I am. But I remember being in different services at times, and there was these songs being sung, and there was messages happening, and I remember, and, and I wouldn't come against any authority in the local church. I think, I think being the people that come to me and they're like, I don't agree with my pastor, and he's just dead wrong on this. What should I do? And I'll tell them, if you can't keep your mouth shut, you need to leave because division is of the devil, flat out. To me, I think being in unity is more important than being doctrinally together on things because the reality is, is that we're never going to agree on everything anyways. It's, it's impossible. When we get to heaven, finally the Lord will straighten every one of us out and we'll see things perfectly. Amen. But I remember being in this, in this, in a couple different places to where I was seeing these things go on. And I just said, what are we doing here? There's, there's no worship and adoration and connection with heaven, with the Lord. There's no moving of the Holy Ghost. There's nobody being prayed for to being healed. And I wasn't being, at that point in my life, I wasn't being critical. I was just being observant. Now, later, I got critical, and then I had to repent because God loves his church, even the ones that aren't doing anything. <laughs> Come on now. But I remember seeing, and I remember thinking, this is not what God wants because you can look in the scriptures and you can see the supernatural ministry of Jesus was handed over to the apostles, and they were supposed to take it and run with it, and they did for a while until I would say a, a lot of the apostolic ministry got cut off and we lost the supernatural flow of, of the Lord in the church. And I believe that God wants to restore that back to the church. So I'm, I'm just ministering on this for a little bit. Maybe one more week I'll be on this, and then we'll move on to some other things. And so this isn't like the thing we talk about every week. But I just think this is something that we need to understand. If God has an order to things, I want to know what God's order is. I want to know his, his, his proper way that he sees this. And and I don't have a full revelation of the fivefold ministry. I only know what the Bible says, and I know some things that God has shown me. But I want to get back to it, and I'm, I'm willing to just be bold and share some things concerning it so we can begin to, to see this and see it function properly. I think a when you look at this, the way, and this is, uh, and I've got this slide titled, Church Government and Authority. It also could be uh, the supernatural flow. I could have titled it because I think that, that that's a way that how, you know, how that can look. Uh, but if we only have this picture of the fivefold ministry, it ends up being a, a hierarchy mentality. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, the word right, Hi hierarchy, however you say it. 
it ends up being a mentality to where it's about having the super dupers up here and the rest of the church is just down. That's not the, that's not the heart of this. The point of this is to see that there is an order. There is a flow to things and we should get in God's divine order, but this isn't to put anybody else above anybody else. Does that make sense to everybody? Amen. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.